Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 2 Samuel chapter 11, and I just got to tell you, this is one of the hardest chapters to read. Uh, we're going to give this a title, and it's going to be Even the Mighty Fall. Even the Mighty Fall. We're going to jump into this today, and my prayer is that we can find some hope even in the middle of difficult times. But before we get into that, as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on the podcast. You're always my favorites. And as always, let's all gather together at the Facebook group, Bible Breakdown Discussion. Because, man, the more we dig, the more we find. And since this is kind of a heavier topic, I want to just take a moment. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, I would love for you to go to the YouTube channel. You can just type in YouTube channel. And either type or not I type in YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and type in either Bible Breakdown or Brandon Cannon. I am not first on any of those, but if you keep on going down, you will eventually find me, and I want you to look there, and we have got a new setup right now. We've been kind of messing around with it for a little bit, and we're going to continue to mess with it, but this is kind of the look we have right now, and it goes back to the idea of me wanting to have my Bible, which, by the way, open it up to 2 Samuel chapter 11, coffee cup, kind of a coffee table feel, and just joining in and enjoying God's Word together. And because this is a heavier topic today, I want to give you something fun. And that is over here, as you can see, I've got some books. And I'm going to try to display, maybe not every day, but display a book that I am reading that I really love and I would recommend to you. Now, here's one of the challenges. I read a lot of books <laughs> on my Kindle and stuff, and I'm not just going to put my Kindle up here. So it's not always going to be maybe all the books, but some of them. And so here's what I would say. If you have a book that has really meant a lot to you that you would like for me to read, send it to me. Like, don't just send me the link, send me the book and I will read it. And if I agree with you, I will put it on my table and we can enjoy it together. It's just a fun way of bringing in a new resource. And man, the more we dig, the more we find together. And I have got just a lot of books that's meant the world to me and I want to share them with you. Okay. All right. Well, once again, if you have your Bibles and they're open to 2 Samuel chapter 11, Remember the overall theme of Samuel, and that is God qualifies the cult. God qualifies the cult. All through 1 Samuel, we see that God had anointed David to do a great thing. But along the way of being in caves, hiding, running, God was preparing David for the ministry of, that he would have of being a king. And then as we see as we got into 2 Samuel, he becomes a king. And man, things are going really, really well. They are, I mean, just, just amazing things are happening. He is taking, you know, all these other territories that have, been, that have been taken from the Jewish people, and now he's got them back again, and he has a new, uh, you know, uh, sitter, uh, city center, or a, uh, a new capital city is what I was trying to say. Uh, and everything's going really, really well. Well, here's the problem with success. Sometimes when you are successful, you forget where that success comes from. You get a little lackadaisical. You get a little laid back a little bit and you don't remember how important it is to protect your heart and to protect everything you have. I heard someone say one time that God sometimes will test you with success because it's easy to trust God when God's all you have, 
But when God blesses you, it can be difficult to trust the Lord. Well, what we're going to see today is David is still human. And because he's still human, he ends up running into a temptation. He falls to the temptation, and it just goes from bad to worse. And it's a wonderful reminder that even the mighty fall. So we're going to read this together. We're going to read it, and then when it's over with, we're going to see what God's Word will speak to us, because even in bad and terrible situations, God can still speak His Word to us. So if you have 2 Samuel chapter 11 ready, let's jump into this together. Here we go. Verse 1. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, pause already. That's the first mistake that David had. Now, what that means is is in the springtime, that was usually when different kingdoms would jostle for position, try to take over contested land. It's just the time of the year when this kind of thing would happen. David should have been with his men. However, he sent them on and he stayed behind where he shouldn't have been. And when you end up staying in places you shouldn't be, Temptation is sure to follow. Verse 2. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the sea, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to her, and and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period, and then she returned home. After or later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent David, and when Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace, but Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and said, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night? After being away for so long, Uriah replied, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Well, stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. Now, pause. There has been a lot of ink spilled over exactly what's going on here. Some have said that, that really Bathsheba is to blame because she put herself in a position where she knew the king would see her. The pushback on that is the king isn't supposed to be there. (laughs) So you you can't really say that Bathsheba was trying to seduce the king because you really have to take a logical leap because normally the king would have been with his men. On the other side, you say that David took advantage of Bathsheba because of the situation and she didn't have much of a choice. 
Well, that's not entirely true either because there are a lot more rights that women have. If you read the first five books of Moses, there's a lot of things that she could have done. She didn't outright have to do this because David was in the wrong and he could have, she could have called him out for this. They had to have reasons. <laughs> you know, we, we look at things the way they are and think that kings could just kill everybody. But David was under the obligation of the law. So he couldn't outright have killed her. You still have to take a logical leap to say that. And then you go into the next part where some people say, well, the reason why Uriah didn't go back to his home was because it was probably widely whispered that the king had had sex with Uriah's wife and now she's pregnant. And so this may have been his own way of kind of thumbing his nose at David and saying, hey, I'm going to do the right thing. What about you, David? There's all kinds of intrigue that happens here. And I think it would be a little bit dangerous for us to get into too much of that context. As we always say around here, the more you dig the more you find. So I would encourage you to go back and read some commentaries, especially Jewish commentaries, because they will give you more insight from Jewish culture as to some of the different things that could be true. What we do know is this. David had sex with someone who was not his wife, someone who was actually the wife of another. That was wrong completely. Compounding what was wrong is that then he tried to deceive Uriah by bringing him home so that then he could go and have sex with his wife. And then they could probably try to say, well, actually that kid wasn't David's, it was Uriah's. Two wrongs don't make a right. Whatever happened, Uriah turned out to be the better person of the situation. And he's saying, it's not fair for me to have this luxury while all of my friends don't. So now what should have happened is this should have caused David's heart to be convicted. You know, that someone here has more righteous than I. However, another plan is hatched. Here we go verse 14. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out to the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joab sent a battle report to David. He, was, he told his messenger, report all the news of the battle to the king. But he might get angry and ask, why did the troops get so close to the city? Didn't they know that they would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, the son of Gideon, killed at, at uh, Thesbe by a woman who threw a millstone down on him from the wall? Why would you get so close to the wall? Then tell him. Uriah the Hittite was killed too. So the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. The enemy came out against us as in the open field, he said. And as we chased them back to the city gate, the archers on the wall shot arrows at us. Some of the king's men were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. Well, tell Joab not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours one day and then to... And uh, one, ah, let me try that again. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And when her period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace. And she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Wow. Think about all the bad things that just happened. First of all, David was where he wasn't supposed to be, and so temptation came. When temptation came, he indulged in that temptation, and he committed a sin by having sex with someone that wasn't his wife, 
and then another sin by having sex with somebody else's wife. Then, when she got pregnant, he tried to deceive her husband so that it would look like something it wasn't. Then, when the husband wouldn't be deceived, he had the husband killed. David is in a world of (laughs) no-no. He has done so many things wrong here. And so, what can we get out of this dumpster fire of a situation? I think there are a few things that we can find to bring encouragement to our hearts. First of all, to realize that if you have ever sinned, and that probably covers all of us, you're not alone. I don't mean this to sound crass or whatever, but sweetheart, you ain't special. <laughs> and I mean that the best way. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So even someone who was said to be a man after God's own heart wasn't perfect. There's only been one perfect man, and his name is Jesus. And he kind of cheated because he was God in human form. <laughs> so we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The next thing is, is to be so very careful that the only person you idolize is Jesus. Because eventually, any other human will let you down. That's why we have to be so very careful not to put pastors on a pedestal, not to put any other spiritual leader on a pedestal. For heaven's sake, don't put celebrities on a pedestal. Only put Jesus on that pedestal. Because eventually, every single person in your life will be human. We can't help it. And so for many of us, we need to lower our expectations of man and raise our expectations of God. Now, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. We should expect more, and we do need to expect more from our leaders. However, let's be realistic and realize our leaders are just human. Only Jesus is the one that is deserving of our worship, because only Jesus is perfect. And so out of this, we're going to see David has committed this horrible sin. We're going to see tomorrow is the right way to respond when we're in sin. But for now, let's pray about this. And I want to ask you this question. It's something to think about throughout this day. Is there any sin in your life? Now, I don't mean that you're struggling to get something right or struggling to do whatever. Is there unconfessed sin in your life? If so, can I tell you something that I say all the time? You've never been more loved than you are right now. You don't have to be afraid of confessing your sin to God. God already knows and you're still here. He wants to bring forgiveness in your life so that you can be in a right relationship with him. And so instead of running away from it, run toward Jesus so he can give you the forgiveness that you actually crave and he can bring you close to him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, kindness, your mercy. Thank you that you are with us and you are for us. God, that sin that we've committed in our life, you were there. You were there when we did that thing with that person for that reason. And Lord, your heart hurts to bring us back close to you. You don't want us to be far from you. You want us to be in fellowship with you. I pray you'll give us the courage today to bring to you everything in our life so that we can have freedom and hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. Well, remember God's word says in 2 Samuel 6, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. That's what God wants for you. He wants an eternal relationship with you. And sometimes we fall. What's important is that we get back up again. We're going to look at that tomorrow when we talk about 2 Samuel chapter 